Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Delta Talks, a TMT podcast by Delta Partners. If you're new here, welcome. We're so glad you're tuning in. If you've been here before, welcome back. I'm Samrita, and I lead the PR function here. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Vinod Nair, a senior managing director in our Singapore office, along with Anurag Dahia, the chief commercial officer at the International Cricket Council. And today, we'll be speaking on the topic of the future of cricket. Over to you, Vinod. Thank you, Samrita. Anurag, welcome to Delta Talks, and, and thank you so much for the time. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Before I get into the content itself, and, and it's fascinating content, I'm pretty sure for everyone who is a cricket fan worldwide, I want to ask you a personal question. Tell us a bit about your background and how did you end up in this role? This must be a role that many cricket fans would give their right arm for. So, Anurag, how did you end up as the Chief Commercial Officer of the ICC? Thanks, uh, Vinod. It's uh, a real pleasure to be here and thank you for having me. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I get a lot of dirty looks uh, when I tell people where I work and what I do. Um, you know, it's um, I've, I've uh, spent most of my life uh, working in the um, sports and entertainment industry and broadcasting side of things most of the time. Uh, worked for many years with uh, ESPN Star Sports, as it was called then. It was a JV between uh, Disney and uh, the then News Corp, which then became 21st Century Fox. Um, and then uh, worked with Singtel, um, handling content for the pay television business uh, for many years. And then in 2020, um, I got this opportunity to work on the other side, as it were, of the table um, and uh, moved to ICC. Uh, ICC, and uh, I mean, I've had the good fortune of working uh, with the ICC from the other side for many years during my time at ESPN Star when I was acquiring content. And so when the opportunity came to uh, you know, get, get in the tent and, and actually uh, try and make some money for the ICC, um, it, was, uh, it was just the right thing. Uh, so that's uh, where I am now. Excellent. All right, Anurag, let's get into the, into the, the conversation about cricket itself. Let me ask you first about your view on the health of the game, the state of cricket worldwide, and particularly as you sit at the ICC and you look across all the cricket playing nations, including the more traditional ones, the ones that are getting into cricket, the different segments. What's your assessment of how's cricket doing as a game, both in an absolute sense, but also relative to some of the other very popular sports as well? I think uh, <clears throat> as a sport, we are pretty um, happy with where we are. Um, you know, we have a core group of countries where we, where the sport keeps uh, chugging along very, very well. Uh, and that's very satisfying. It's uh, been like that um, for many, many years. Um, I think we, where we've, uh, relative to other sports, uh, had an advantage and, um, and perhaps turned into a strength or uh, initial weakness, which was that we had a, we started with a format of the game that was probably um, a hangover or, or belongs in a in a slightly different era, obviously, you know, and as um, through the 70s, 80s, uh, television became more important. Uh, we are fortunate that the sport has evolved to, to come up with new formats. Um, and so that's where we are the most different from uh, all other major sports, 
Um, we actually are fortunate to have these three formats, which are all doing uh, brilliantly well. Um, and so in our core countries, I think we are really happy with how things are going. There are obvious challenges in some of the countries where cricket might not be the top sport. You know, it competes with maybe soccer or with rugby. And there's always that challenge of trying to recruit younger fans. Uh, but again, you know, the, the innovative spirit that just pervades our sport that just comes out and, and comes up with uh, exciting new solutions. So um, I'm, I'm talking to you from London at the moment. And, uh, you know, here in uh, uh, a few weeks time, you know, you or uh, a month or so, we'll, we'll start seeing the, um, uh, the start of the 100 again. Um, and, and that's such a good response to what this market needed. Um, beyond the core markets, we're really excited about what uh, the potential uh, for the sport is in some of our, what we call focus growth markets, uh, whether it's the USA, uh, which gets talked about the most, um, or indeed even some of the other territories where we're seeing a lot of excitement. Um, they don't get talked about as much, but um, we are seeing a lot of, uh, for example, digital traffic come in from these um, countries like Germany, uh, like Nigeria, um, you know, Japan, Indonesia. So there is uh, there's lots of uh, developments in our associate world, as it is called, um, where we're seeing nice um, indicators of, of uh, you know, something going on there. Uh, which gives us a uh, possibility of growth in the future. U.S. obviously is, is kind of singled out as a big target market for us. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit more. But yeah, uh, overall, I think on a, um, as an overall picture, we're really happy with where the sport is and where it is headed. Anurag, you talked about some of the geographic markets where you're starting to see some traction and growth. What about some of these segments even within the traditional markets? So women's cricket, for instance, how do you see that evolving? I've certainly seen a lot more interest in women's cricket in, in, in the last few years. Are there certain segments or even some of the formats that you have which you think have a lot more potential and traction going ahead? Absolutely. I mean, the, you, you, you uh, hit the nail on the head. Uh, the um, women's sport, uh, that's just amazing. You know, the way it's uh, going, um, it just gives me goosebumps talking about it. Actually, I mean, we, we probably uh, spend disproportionate time talking about women's cricket as we should. You know, it's, uh, it needs that uh, correction. Uh, it's the right thing to do, of course. But more importantly, commercially and for the growth of the game, uh, that's the biggest plank we have. That's the biggest. Uh, so it's part of our uh, formal strategy documents, one of the pillars of our strategy going forward uh, to, to invest in and, and help uh, women's credit grow. Uh, not that it needs a lot of help, by the way, because it's doing really, really well. Our sport um, is actually um, a better balanced in terms of gender um, split between of, of our fans than most other global sports. So globally, 40% um, of our fans are women. Uh, that's not uh, commonplace in sport. So we, have, we are very fortunate to have that uh, to begin with. 
And with the right focus on the women's game, in the last few years, we've seen uh, the takeoff that, that should have happened even earlier, but it's definitely going on now. Um, you know, a couple of years back, uh, the MCG hosted the Women's T20 World Cup final. There were 86,174. That number is just etched in my memory. Um, that was the attendance that day. Uh, it didn't quite get to the record we were trying to beat, which was the most attended women's uh, event ever, but it came pretty close. So it's uh, it's one of the top few. Um, and that was just a um, an indicator of where things were headed. You know, there's a an immense interest in women's uh, cricket. Uh, the standards of play are right up there. So during that event, for example, we generated 1.1 billion digital views through our social media channels. Fast forward to this year, uh, we hosted the Women's uh, ODI World Cup uh, in New Zealand. Now, there are a few things to bear in mind. Our core of our uh, fan base is concentrated in South Asia. Um, New Zealand is not the best uh, time zone for events. Uh, so events come in at a very odd time in South Asia. So normally you would expect a fall in viewership and following or video views and things like that. Uh, it was the ODI format, which is uh, typically gets a slightly lower interest among fans. Uh, 2020 also bear in mind that India had made it to the final. So uh, there was a lot more interest right throughout the tournament. So there were, there were quite a few factors kind of stacked against this event this year. But guess what? You know, that 1.1 billion number shot up to 1.6 billion this time. So we've, we've had a 45% growth uh, in digital views in these two years with uh, arguably a, um, uh, a format and an event which, which should have uh, been disadvantaged uh, by the time zone and so on. So that's, that's just a, um, uh, you know, an example of just how things are going there. What we are doing is uh, we, going forward in our strategy, we are making a lot of changes to how we deal with uh, women's cricket, with the commercial rights, with splitting out, these, selling those separately, uh, a lot of focus on that. And uh, so, yeah, that, that I think specifically women's cricket, that's a big vehicle for growth. That's a, that is the highest priority for us. You talked about the passion and the interest Let's switch to what a cricket fan is, is going to experience when you look at for the next three to four to five years ahead. So when you look at the overall fan experience, if I'm a passionate supporter like I am of the Indian cricket team uh, and also a particular IPL club, what can I expect in the future? What sort of new innovative experiences, the use of technology, you talked about digital viewership increasing dramatically. What are some of the things that get you excited? Uh, are there things that you learn from other sports? We've seen Formula One use technology. We've seen soccer use technology. What gets you excited about the future of fan experience in cricket? Um, you know, we are uh, a sport that's been uh, ready with a very readily uh, embracing technology right through, I mean, for many, many years now. You know, we, we are early adopters of technology, uh, despite being a pretty traditional sport. Uh, we, we are very forward-looking. So that's actually 
that excites me because there's so many things that we come up with uh, and our members and, and the players uh, embrace these things, you know, and you have seen as a fan over the years, uh, all the different things that we've kept doing just to keep the uh, game moving forward. A lot of that to do with technology. We were uh, perhaps the first sport to actually bring in technology into on-field decision-making, uh, you know, whether it was the ball tracking, the DRS, um, a lot of sports obviously now have followed uh, with video empiring and things like that. Um, you know, equipment, you know, things like um, stumps that light up, uh, there's a lot more going on. We've, we've had uh, at domestic level, especially a lot of coverage, which has players mic'd up. So you have a much more um, closer to the action kind of a view of the sport. I think these things, uh, in fact, just this morning, we, you know, uh, just before this call, we were reviewing what we want to do in, in the next T20 World Cup coverage. Um, and, and with every event, we're trying to push the boundary in terms of our broadcast coverage, especially with the ICC events, um, because we tend to set the tone um, along with some of the lead broadcasters, of course, around the world uh, with their own domestic cricket coverage. But everyone always looks up to the ICC coverage. And so um, a lot of focus uh, is going to be on broadcast, on seeing how we make broadcast even better. Uh, over the last few years, you will have seen the addition of some very exciting technology we've used. You know, we pretty much as a standard use something called the spider cam now, which helps us, uh, allows us to, I mean, it's a big field, the cricket uh, ground. So uh, with, with the aid of these things and with um, uh, drone cameras, we're able to get closer to the action. We've got robotic buggies uh, on the uh, sidelines, you know, just around the ropes, boundary ropes, which are able to get uh, into the ground quickly when batsmen are walking in, for example. So there is a an emphasis on bringing the fan into the um, the game as close to it as possible. Um, so some of the things we are looking at: how does VR, for example, play in? And we are already trialing out some stuff now. It might not become mainstream, but um, you know certainly that's uh, where the future is headed. So we want to be ready when uh, the market is ready. I don't think it is yet, but um, you know with device penetrations being what they are. But these things, uh, as we know, you know there's a little bit of a um, a positive synergy between content creation and device penetration as well. So we are uh, we are already doing those trials, trying to see what's the best way to utilize it. Um, I think going forward and just crystal ball gazing and some of the stuff that we're talking about already, um, I think a lot more emphasis on coverage, which is designed for mobile viewing. Currently, it's television coverage, which uh, is seen on mobiles as well. Uh, we're very aware that that's not the best way to do things. Uh, so um, the next uh, shift, I think, is going to be to, in terms of having a parallel production, which is designed for mobiles, whether that's vertical video, um, uh, graphics, which are a lot different. Um, and then in, in Stadia, I think that's where uh, a lot of new exciting things are going to start happening. We're talking about AR experiences in Stadia. Uh, can fans point their devices uh, to the field and get more information? Um, on the other hand, in the uh, so-called metaverse or Web3 space, uh, we, we are, again, um, 
you know, early kind of adopters of technology, we embraced uh, the whole uh, uh, NFT uh, revolution. We launched ours um, last year, and that's uh, going great. So, uh, yeah, I think it's um, it's just a fascinating old world. We, we look at other sports, we learn from them. Um, in some cases, we end up doing things faster and, and lead them. NFT is a good example. I think a lot of the other federations still uh, trying to make up their mind about how they want to go with it. Uh, we saw a fan demand for it. Uh, we saw an opportunity to enrich their experience and we, we dove right in. In other cases, we look at some of the stuff. Formula One is uh, an amazing one, as you mentioned them. They're, they're amazing with how they use technology, whether it's uh, on their streaming service, the way uh, they're able to get you up close and personal with in-car cameras and stuff like that. Uh, so we absolutely look at all this. A lot of the U.S. sport coverage, which uh, frankly tends to lead the world, uh, whether it's baseball or uh, American football, uh, so yeah, we do look at all these all the time. Uh, more so, I think I'd say in terms of how broadcast is shaping up um, in these sports. A lot of them are well funded and can uh, innovate and, and spend on research. And often we and other sports benefit from that. Um, so it's a combination of looking at other sports and then just looking at our own fan base and and what they need uh, and and what is the best way to. Um, to to kind of come up with innovations that uh, that work for them, you know things like uh, ball tracking or or uh, bat sensing or uh, lit up stumps, for example. These are excellent examples of things that have actually come up just for our sport, uh, for the unique requirements we have. Uh, Raj, that 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 leads me to probably the most important section for me, which is the commercial value and the appeal of cricket. Um, what, so we've seen some you know, really great headlines about the IPL and the value of the media rights, the, the ICC itself looking at sort of the value of media rights. First, do, do you have a rough sense of what's the, what's the value of cricket? How big is cricket in a commercial sense? Do you have a rough idea of that today? Where do you see that going. And then I have some follow-up questions about how do you get the balance right between creating and exploiting this commercial value while still sort of staying true to the to the spirit of the game and, and encouraging it at sort of grassroots level. So first question, do you know how big cricket is already in terms of commercial appeal and value? Yeah, so um, we estimate uh, the overall ecosystem um, top line global cricket revenues um, pre-pandemic at, at a level between two to three billion. Uh, and the swing really happens because certain years are big with a you know World Cup years like I mean, 20, 2019, the, the last year before the pandemic was a World Cup year. Um, so that was um, probably uh, just about three billion dollars in, in uh, revenue. Uh, the year before that was probably uh, two two and a half. Uh, that's that's our um, rough gauge, um, but um, that's that's going to change pretty radically, as you rightly pointed out. You know, there is uh, a recent uh, IPL deal, of course, and we are in the market. And so, in in many ways, this year is a uh, an inflection point again. You know, which comes periodically. Uh, every three, four years, you will have that renewal and, and a jump up. 
so we do think uh, that number will be uh, improved significantly the next time we speak. So when you look at that sort of commercial appeal, where do you see the bulk of that value going? Is So we've seen the emergence, obviously, of the leaks like the IPL you mentioned. Um, we don't think about the national teams themselves and, and the, the commercial appeal of the national teams. Where, where, yeah, so, where, sorry, go on. I was going to say, where do you see that appeal going? Do you see this? At the national team level, do you see a lot more commercial value accruing to the leagues? Do you see a lot of this value maybe even accruing to the individual players and their individual brands and franchises? So how do you see the evolution of, of this sort of commercial appeal in the cricket game? Yeah, no, so it, it's, uh, <clears throat> it is uh, a mix, obviously. Um, we... Um, you know, the, the bulk of the revenue comes from what we call our full members, uh, probably about 90% uh, or so. We estimated around just about 90%, 90-92% of the revenue comes through the, the full members. Uh, we are, again, depending on which year it is, but, you know, we, we are uh, between 10 to 20% um, uh, in certain years. Uh, you know, going forward, we've got um, events happening every year, so so I think that number will uh, hover in that range of about ten to fifteen percent at least on an average. So that does mean that you know um, uh, there's, there's that eighty eighty five going forward that will be uh, with the uh, with the full members and really a minuscule maybe sub one percent kind of a revenue which is coming through the associate members going forward. Um, so that obviously is a is a big of a bit of a challenge that we look at uh, these associates currently uh, depend on the the revenue we are generating um going forward i think you know again as a as an as a sport as a federation we do recognize the growth of domestic uh, cricket that's coming in and uh, accounting for a larger percentage each year uh, and that's a in many ways it's it's a good trend uh, because it gives people the opportunity to um, become more self-sufficient. Uh, the uh, ultimate goal is that, you know, uh, all or if not all, most of our members should at least be able to sustain their, uh, sustain the sport in their territories with the revenue they are able to raise. And, and domestic cricket is really showing the way. IPL has shown the way. So I think that is definitely growing. Uh, international cricket, what we call bilateral cricket, uh, there is pressure, but what we are trying to do is to weave in a um, context for that because that's that's what's been missing and that is where we feel that the biggest commercial challenge uh, in terms of uh, safeguarding that revenue comes from the fact that a lot of the bilateral cricket has lacked context. Um, so what we've been doing is to, uh, the best example is the World Test Championship Finals, which is a new event we started last year, um, a two-year cycle where now all the test cricket that's been played throughout the world uh, accounts for um, something. It, it actually builds up as a pathway to that final uh, every two years where the World Test Champion is crowned. 
so that's now broad context for um, all the tests that are happening, and uh, there's a there's a bigger interest, I should say, of fan uh, following for these events than than there was. It's not just a, a, a couple of countries playing each other. There's something at the end of it. Same way in, in uh, ODIs, we're trying to keep that. Uh, I mean, currently we have uh, a qualification that happens through all the ODIs. It's, a, it's called the Super League that builds uh, uh, you know, up and uh, culminates in the World Cup. So um, I think a lot of effort will have to go there to keep uh, that value intact for bilateral international cricket. But I think going forward, that, um, like I said, you know, that number currently for for full members, somewhere around 90, 92%, probably in the future, 80, 85%, uh, you know, 10 to 15% coming from us. Uh, that's probably the mix that, that we are heading towards. But that 85%, I think, larger chunks of that will start coming in from uh, uh, the uh, domestic uh, cricket growing. And by the way, that 90 Going to 85 is not as a result of any of our members going backwards. It's it's simply a function of uh, ICC events now having a more regular calendar. So we, we had six events, six uh, senior men's events uh, in the previous right cycle, which ran over eight years. Uh, going forward, we have eight uh, events. So that's an event each year. So there's uh, a natural growth that's happening there. In terms of where that money goes, um, you know, who's benefiting or who's going to likely benefit from it, um, it's it's a it's an interesting evolving um, ecosystem uh, with the domestic T20 competitions. Of course, there's a lot of uh, private franchises, a lot of private investment, which is benefiting from the growth of those leagues. Um, a lot of that money, of course, uh, flows back uh, to the players. Currently, we estimate about eleven thousand uh, contracted players in professional cricket globally. Uh, that number is set to rise as new leagues uh, pop up. Uh, USA is now got a minor league uh, cricket MLC, um, uh, a major league uh, starting uh, next year, hopefully. So that's on track. Uh, we've seen countries like the UAE announce uh, their own league, uh, while some of the full members like South Africa have kind of uh, come in and they will be relaunching there. T20 leagues. So the, these are um, leagues and and uh, newer leagues, I should say, which are coming up. So that number of players who are contracted and benefit from it uh, will go up. That's something we've seen with IPL. Uh, the the young talent which is coming through a lot of them uh, through our under 19 events as well, and then uh, playing in these uh, domestic T20 leagues. So I think um, we've got a nice model there. I think we've got a very good balance where. Uh, private investment is coming in and helping grow the sport uh, and the money that's coming into the sport as a result. Of course, uh, investment needs returns and, and there's good returns happening there. Um, but then more importantly, we're generating revenue which can be brought back into the development of the sport. Uh, we need more venues uh, in uh, newer territories, places like U.S., um, where we, we need more grounds if the game is going to, uh, to grow. Existing grounds need to up their game in terms of uh, fan experience. So a lot of uh, infrastructure investments, which we are able to support through these uh, revenues. And of course, then uh, player remuneration and, uh, and not just for the top playing players, but uh, just as a wider base of contracted players throughout uh, 
to, to increase that uh, base of 11,000 players to a higher number uh, so that more youngsters can aspire to be professional cricket uh, players. So yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a nice ecosystem, I'd say, that we are uh, primed for. All right, let me ask you two very quick questions to wrap up. The first one is, is there a risk of too much commercialization of cricket? Do you see certain formats falling out of favor because other formats are more appealing? And, and obviously the debate in cricket has been whether there's a shift towards more shorter formats because it is more TV friendly and it's more entertainment oriented. Are the purists right in saying that that may just kill the original spirit of the game? Do you believe that? I, I don't, um, for the simple reason that, you know, if we did nothing, that would surely kill cricket. Um, I think uh, T20 is exciting. If that's what is bringing uh, younger fans in, a lot of them do then eventually graduate to test cricket as well. Test cricket requires a, a much deeper understanding of the sport for you to enjoy it. Um, and not everyone who's looking at the sport for the first time uh, is going to make that investment to understand it if they aren't hooked on it. And so the shorter form definitely helps us recruit new fans. And without new fans, um, you know, the the uh, the sport cannot survive, whether it's test cricket or ODIs. You know, we need that uh, T20 as the growth uh, engine, as the kind of the sharp pointy end of the stick. Uh, and that's what it is doing. So we are really excited with what it is doing in new territories, with what it is doing with bringing in younger fans. We've, we've got a, we're fortunate, we've got a, a relatively younger fan base with about 34 years average age uh, for our fans. Uh, but if, if we didn't have the T20, I don't think that um, age would be anywhere close to that number. It would be older. Uh, and that's what a lot of global sports are trying to avoid. They're trying to get younger so that they can sustain it longer uh, into the future. Uh, so we feel fortunate. We've got these three formats. They do their own specific jobs. Um, and I think uh, as a as a whole, that only supports test cricket rather than, uh, uh, you know, weaken it. Uh, I think a lot of players still see that as the pinnacle of cricket. So they do aspire to um, play that uh, as the highest form of cricket. And we saw with the World Test Championship final last year, I mean, the kind of um, uh, sentiment that evoked, uh, especially amongst players, it was unbelievable. You know, they, they really wanted to go play there, win that. Um, so it's, uh, I think there's a really good balance we have as a sport. Uh, I wouldn't disturb that at all. And Arag, the final question, maybe a quick answer from you. When you you talked about the need for more investment in infrastructure, in new technologies, particularly in the growth markets for cricket, if I'm an investor who's interested in sports and entertainment as an area of investment, what would your short pitch to be? Why cricket, as opposed to investing in other sports? What What's that high-level message that you would have for investors? Well, you know, why cricket? Um, we're a sport that's, uh, uh, you know, like I just mentioned, um, perhaps the youngest average age amongst major sports. Um, probably a better gender balance than any other major sport. And on the growth path, really, you know, because if you look at the geographic spread of what we've got right now, 
Um, it's uh, it's nowhere compared to what it can be. Uh, and the newer territories that we are getting more active in, uh, the kind of results we are seeing already, um, uh, it's uh, unbelievable. So I think the real pitch for cricket here is we've got a fantastic fan base who's really, really passionate about it. One billion fans, they can't be wrong. Uh, we've got new territories coming up and we've got a, a format women's uh, cricket, which is on a rocket at the moment. Uh, and then we, when you compare it to some of the sports like soccer or some of the American sports, in terms of what we can do and, and what the potential for domestic uh, level cricket uh, is, I think we are only scratching the surface. IPLs, of course, uh, a shining example of where it can get to, um, but there are half a dozen other similar leagues throughout the world which are knocking on the doors of, of uh, stardom as well. And so uh, I think we are a sport where as a commercial activity, we are just, just beginning. You know, we are at, at very early stages. And uh, as investors, you always want to get on to something that's uh, in a sunrise phase. And so we very much see ourselves as a sunrise sport. Uh, you know, we are, we are just um, now making an attempt to get into the Olympics as well. Uh, and as some of these things start happening, you see the appeal of cricket grow beyond the core countries. You'll see the appeal of cricket grow even stronger in our core countries. And you'll see um, the growth of commercial cricket uh, really on, uh, uh, on an exponential curve. And so that's what makes me excited about being in the sport. And that's what should excite uh, investors, I think. Anurag, thank you so much. This is a fascinating conversation. To hear you basically provide such a bird's eye view of cricket worldwide. Um, certainly as a passionate cricket fan myself, I can relate to a lot of what you said. Um, exciting times ahead. So thank you, Anurag, for taking the time and certainly look forward to seeing you at the next tournament, which for me will be the World Cup, World T20 Cup in Australia soon. Thank you. Thank you, Vinod, and I look forward to having you at uh, one of our events as well and, and uh, to enjoying it. Thank you. Was that, that okay? Oh. All, all, all good? Am I like on mute or can I be heard? No, no, I can. You can. Like. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I don't understand. Or know anything about cricket and i was i was like full focus so that's when you know it's really good all right perfect now i'm trying to your 30 minute guideline as well that's what yeah no we did we did just fine thank you i'm going to uh i need to actually end the call so that the recording gets saved yeah all right, um, all right. yeah thank yeah, you thanks. so much for your time anurag Thank you. Thank you, Samrita. Thank you, Vinod. And, and again, apologies for uh, the, the frequent changes we've had uh, trying to get no, this No, no, no. no. We, we would, have, <laughs> would, have, would have happily waited a few months for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Cheers, Thank you. All right. Take care. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye.